good morning to each one. Greetings in the precious name of Jesus. It's good to see the house well filled today. And I too want to welcome our visitors who are with us today. I trust that you can worship the Lord with us and together we'll see what God has for us. This morning for a text, I invite you to 2 Peter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. The title for my message today is How to Grow in the Christian Life. I'm sharing this message today for two reasons. We have just came through a week of revival meetings. We have been challenged in many areas of life, of the Christian life. And my concern today, first for myself and then for you, is that we would be faithful doers of the word and not hearers only. And then the second reason that I'm sharing this message is for our instruction class. The lesson that the class is currently studying is titled, How to Grow in Your Christian Life. And we plan to look at this lesson together in the near future. And so for new Christians, how do we grow in the Christian life? And as we reflect on our revival meetings and the many messages that we heard, how do we go from being a hearer of the word to a doer of the word? Those of us who have been Christians for many years know how important it is to continue to grow. Not just grow to a certain point or a certain level, but, con but continue to grow on a daily basis. Becoming a Christian is the beginning of the Christian life. When we become a Christian, we begin a journey on which we must exercise faith. The very faith that saved us, we now must put to practice in our lives. As we put faith to practice, then we begin to grow. Now, growing, for the most part, is a very positive thing. Very positive thing. We like to see things growing. You know, a garden that is growing is good. When we left for church this morning, I saw some daffodils blooming. And you know, that's good. We like to see that. Um, if you plant a tree in your yard and that tree begins to grow, that's a very positive thing. We like to see children growing, a baby that is growing, that's good, he's healthy. A family that is growing is good. A church that is growing is good. And growing in your Christian life is good. However, growing can also be a negative thing. You know, sometimes we groan when we step on the scales and see we are still growing. Um, a garden that is growing up in weeds, a tree that is growing towards the house. Thankfully, we have Ivan. A Christian that's, that is growing cold, a church that is growing cold. You know, negative growing takes no effort. It takes no effort or planting. It just will happen. However, positive growing takes 
lots of effort, and much planning. There are four things that must happen if we want positive Christian growth. The first is a good attitude. The second is a goal. The third, a plan. And then fourth, lots of hard work. And I like to think of a garden, our book that we're studying in the instruction class gives the illustration of a garden. We all know that a beautiful garden does not happen on its own. A successful garden begins with a good attitude. I am going to plant a garden. Yes, I understand the dan danger of drought, understand the danger of pest, hungry deer, too much rain, but I am going to plant a garden, a good attitude. And then second, <clears throat> a goal. Why? Well, I would like to have fresh, healthy vegetables to feed my family. I would like to have vegetables to freeze and can. I would like to have vegetables to give away to neighbors and family. So my goal is to have fresh vegetables to eat, to can, and to give away. That's my goal. And then we need a plan. First of all, where? You know, where am I going to plant this garden? Well, we need a well-drained area in a sunny spot, not too far from the water hydrant in case it gets dry. First, I will till the ground, and then I will take a soil test and fertilize accordingly. And then we need a plan on what vegetables will I plant, how much, what time of the year. And then fourth, lots of hard work. These four things, along with the blessing of God, makes a beautiful garden. For positive growth to happen, spiritual or otherwise, we need a good attitude, a goal, a plan, and then lots of hard work. In Acts chapter 9, we have the story of Paul's conversion. Paul, after his encounter with the bright light on the way to Damascus, turns from pursuing evil to pursuing life in Christ. And we can see these four things happening in his life. So let's turn to Acts chapter 9, and we'll look at that account. Acts chapter 9, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. So here we have a man, we think of the Apostle Paul, often when we think of him, we think of a strong Christian. But you know, the Apostle Paul was once a brand new Christian. Have you ever thought about that? You know, I remember uh, one time Nathan was talking about music and he said something like, he said, did you ever think about it that the song, Jesus Loves Me, was once a brand new song? <laughs> and you know, that was a new thought to me. I thought it was always around. But you know, sometime or another, that was a brand new song. Well, here, the Apostle Paul is a brand new Christian. Okay, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. 
And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the man which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there, and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Verse 3, we see the bright light from heaven. It shines down around him, which instantly blinds him. He falls to the earth and then hears a voice. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And verse 6, verse 5 and 6, we see his response. Who are you, Lord? Verse 6, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You see, here is an attitude that we can grow on. Let's keep reading here in Acts chapter 9. Let's go down to verse 17 and pick up there. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem, and come hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength, and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had boldly preached at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Okay, verse 18. He arose and was baptized. Verse 19, he desired fellowship. Notice that he spent time with the disciples. Verse 20, he begins to share the gospel. He's now blessing other Christians 
instead of killing them. Verse 22, he is growing, increased in strength. He's becoming strong. He was working hard, and God was blessing his efforts. Now notice verse 23, Paul faces opposition. The Jews took counsel to kill him. You know, a growing Christian will face opposition. The devil does not like a growing Christian. You know, the devil will challenge our attitude. He will do all he can to distract us from our focus. He will make our plan to grow in Christ look foolish. He will make all the hard work and the effort look foolish. But notice verse 29. Or, but this doesn't stop Paul. He keeps going. And again in verse 29, he's facing opposition. He's preaching boldly in the name of Jesus. Again, they tried to kill him, and he must run for his life. But Paul does not give up. He had a goal. He had a plan, and he worked hard. And he had the blessing of God on his life. You know, when Paul was reaching the end of his life, he had this testimony, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The Apostle Paul he had that attitude from the beginning to serve the Lord. He had that goal. He had a plan. And now at the end of life, he was looking forward to that crown of righteousness. And so can we. So can we. All right, going on. To grow in our Christian life is a choice. It's a personal choice. And I like the example of young Moses. I'm not sure his age when this all happened, but young Moses, we know the story how Pharaoh's daughter found him in the basket and how his mother raised him for a time, and then from there he went to, to Pharaoh's house. So Moses, he grows up in the house of Pharaoh. He knows about earthly riches. However, Moses chose to serve God. He understood that the riches of Pharaoh's courts only brought temporary satisfaction. He understood that greater riches can be found in serving the Lord, even if trouble would come from doing so. Hebrews 11:24 through 26 brings that out. And I'll just read those verses. This is coming from the faith chapter. It says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know, spiritual growth is a choice that each new Christian must make. It will not just happen on its own. Spiritual growth only occurs when we choose and want to grow. 
Moses knew that he would not grow spiritually in Pharaoh's courts. And so for us to grow in our Christian lives, we must be willing to separate ourselves from the evil in the world. So how do we grow? We grow in a balanced way. We find that in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And I would like for you to turn there, especially you young Christians and young people who are here this morning. How do we grow? We looked at the example of the Apostle Paul very, very quickly. And we bumped Moses just briefly. Those two could be a study in themselves. But how do we grow? Well, in Luke 2, verse 52, is speaking of Jesus himself as a young boy. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. We see Jesus growing in four ways. Excuse me. Increased in wisdom. Increased in wisdom. He was growing mentally. Increase in stature, he was growing physically. Favor with God, growing spiritually. Favor with man, growing socially. And all four of these are very important for growing in the Christian life. We can, however, become unbalanced. That is very possible. You know, if we are only interested in building strong bodies, for an example, and neglect our Bible reading and worship, we will become unbalanced. If we are interested only in books and study and never give our bodies the exercise they need or never mixed with other people, we again become unbalanced. We must grow in a balanced way. All four of these are so important as we grow in our Christian lives. Growing mentally, growing physically, growing spiritually, growing socially. All four of these will help us in our growth. Growing is a process. If you would turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, I'd like to read 5 through 8. Second Peter 1, 5 through 8. I read this from the New King. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we don't grow in everything all at once. Growing is a process that takes time, like a lifetime. The Christian life is like math. We add, and then we add some more. We grow a little bit at a time. 
Verse 8, it says, if we are faithful in adding the things that are mentioned in the previous verses, if we are faithful in adding, we will be a blessing. We will be a fruitful person or a person that is useful. We will be an example of the Lord Jesus Christ. How must we grow? Turn to 2 Peter 3.18. This is our text that I shared at the beginning, but we'll read it again. 2 Peter 3.18. How must we grow? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Grow in the grace. Grace has the thought of graciousness of manner or act. Grow in the grace of Jesus. You know, Jesus left us many examples of acts of grace. Thank you, Justin, for the act of grace there. Um, but Jesus left us many examples of acts of grace. I mean, the, the, the gospels are full of them. And for us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, then we must know what Jesus said. We must know what he taught. We must know what he did. We must know how he responded to situations in life. And this morning, I want to encourage the young Christians here to become familiar with the Gospels. I, I, I think that is so important. You know, there's a lot of scripture for us younger people that's a little hard to understand, but the Gospels we can understand for the most part. And I encourage you to read them and reread them. Know what Jesus said. Know what he did. Be familiar with his example. And then you can grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, we are not alone in our effort to grow. And I was thinking, I don't have this here in my notes, but as I was thinking about our Sunday school lesson and as we talked about the Holy Spirit and discussed that, you know, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit who is the Christian's God. And uh, I don't have much in my... I, I, chose not to bring that out, but I thought maybe here I would just say a couple things. But the Holy Spirit is our guide. And Jesus said that he will guide us into all truth. We are not alone in our efforts to grow. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. You can turn there if you would. These are verses that are very key in helping us as we desire to grow in our Christian life. Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13 is the one I want you to notice. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Isn't that a wonderful thought this morning to think that it is God who works in you? Well, we have that again over in Hebrews 13, 
Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21. I'll just read that for you. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, earlier I said that spiritual growth is a choice. If we make that our choice, we have the promise that God will lead and guide us. God will give us the strength to grow in him. Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who... I'm going to start over. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God will complete the work that he started when he saved our souls. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that includes growing in him. The provisions are available for us to grow. With God beside it, spiritual growth is possible. It's possible for each one of us here this morning. It's possible for the whole world. Let's now look at some ways that will help us to grow. We grow through fellowship. Colossians 3, I'd like to read 12 through 16. I invite you to turn there. As I read, notice all the different things that are happening in this reading. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If any man has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also, so you almost, so you also must do. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalm and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Did you notice that the things mentioned here involve others? Did you notice that? We grow as we learn to relate with others. You know, these verses that I just shared here from Colossians, if we lived out as a hermit out in the middle of nowhere, you know, how, how would we put this to practice? We grow as we learn to relate with others. Fellowship is sharing life. It's both giving and taking. It's so important in, in our Christian growth. Fellow believers encourage. They comfort. They strengthen each other. We are built up as we hear God's word taught as we sing and worship together. We grow through fellowship. We also grow through Bible reading, 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, 15, 
And, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, Bible study is what makes the Christian complete. It gives him strength for service. The word of God is food for our souls. As we read the Bible and think about it, meditate on it, it becomes a part of us, just like natural food becomes part of the body. By reading the Bible, we find God's will for us. Through reading the Bible, we learn to identify evil, the evil works of Satan, such as unbelief, disobedience, pride, lying, swearing, evil speech, dishonesty and stealing, murder, immodest clothing, jewelry. We grow through Bible reading. That's how we learn God's will for us, is through his written word. We grow through prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Prayer has been called the Christian's vital breath. Prayer is exercise. Prayer is work. It is often an inward struggle, a wrestling with our sins and selfishness. Prayer may not always come easy for us. Prayer takes effort. However, if we want to grow in our Christian lives, we must learn to pray. Romans 12, verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. We grow through prayer. That is our communication between us and our Heavenly Father. We grow through giving. Jesus said, freely ye have received, freely give. We cannot give too much. The Bible says that a poor sowing means a poor harvest. And a generous sowing means a generous harvest. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who spares, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Proverbs 22, verse 9. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. It's important for us to learn to give. You don't have to give much, but you can start giving. And um, God will be pleased. It's a good practice for life. The next point I have is we grow through service. For physical growth, there must be activity and exercise. If we want to strengthen leg muscles, we would start running, walking, we would ride bike. For spiritual growth, there must be activity and exercise as well. We grow by doing. This activity is so important. There is so much to be done. Look around, look for opportunities. 
at home, at school, at church, in your neighborhood, train yourself to serve. Look around you for work that needs to be done. You know, the best servant is the one who can see things that need done and does them without having to be told each step to take. Jesus once told the story of a man who wrapped his talent in a napkin and hid it in the earth instead of using it for God. The result was that the man's talent did not increase and in the end it was taken away because he did not use it. In the Christian life we grow by doing. Our love grows our love grows when we love. We become better teachers as we teach. We become stronger personal workers as we witness. John 12:26 If anyone serves me let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. That's a beautiful promise to thank that those who diligently, those who serve God and have a desire to work for him, Jesus says, him my father will honor. Isn't that the blessing that you want this morning, to have God's honor on your life? I'm sure it is. Now, as you have heard, my message today was mostly geared to the young Christians. However, here at the end, I thought I would say a few words to encourage the older Christians. You know, older Christians, we need to keep growing. Even though we don't have the energy of the young, Christians, it's important that we keep growing. This morning, if you feel like you have stalled out, I'm speaking now to the older Christians, if you feel like you have stalled out growing in Christ and would like to start growing again, I have good news, and that good news is Psalm 92, and I'd like to read that at this time, and I read this as an encouragement to those of us who have served the Lord for many years, 20, 30, 40, 50. Psalm 92. And the very first verse, verse 1, is the verse that I think will get us back on track. If we feel like we've stalled out and we've just kind of have lost out, we're not going backwards really, but we're not going forward, and you would like to go forward again, I think verse 1 is our is key here. Psalm 92, verse 1. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praise unto thy name, O Most High. You know, if you feel like you have stalled out in growing, I encourage you to stop and give thanks unto the Lord and start singing again. Verse 2 is something else that we can do. It says, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Here is the attitude we need to get us back on track. Giving thanks, singing praises, showing forth thy loving kindness and thy faithfulness. Get the focus off of ourselves. Get it back on the Lord. Verse 3 Upon an instrument of ten strings, and upon the psaltery with the harp, 
with a solemn sound. The um, New King James used the, the word there, harmonious sound. Basically, what I see here is get that instrument back out of your closet. Blow the dust off of it. Go sit back down at the piano. Get out your favorite CDs or cassette tapes, maybe, <laughs> eight track or records, wherever you are in life. But get them back out. Start playing them again. Start singing along. That will get you back on track in your desire to grow in Christ. And we'll see that later on in this chapter. Okay, where are we at? Verse 4. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hand. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. You see the focus of the psalmist? He is totally focused on God and his goodness and his power. A brutish man knoweth not, neither does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thy enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish, and all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shalt thou exalt like a horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on my enemies, and my ear shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. Now notice the following verses. Here's a man who is back giving thanks. He's back singing again. He's showing forth loving kindness, the faithfulness of the Lord. He's looking back over life, and he sees how God has kept him safe from his enemies. Now notice the blessing. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And you know, I found that verse interesting. We, we talked about fellowship, didn't we? Verse 14. They shall still bring forth fruit. Now that's growing in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing, and I believe that's spiritual, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Verse 15, that attitude, here is a person that is growing. He's going on with the Lord, and he has that testimony that God is my rock. And it reminds me of the words of the Apostle Paul there at the end of life. He was convinced that God was his rock. This morning, God bless you all as you continue to grow in him. Let's have a song.
585. Longing into thy holy likeness to grow, thirsting for more and deeper communion, yearning thy love more fully to know. Open the wells of grace and salvation for the Dead to the world, would I be, O Father? Dead unto sin, alive unto Thee. Crucify all the earthly within me, emptied of sin and self may I be. <laughs> 